0: Welcome to L.A. Opera Podcasts. You're listening to a conversation recorded on March 9th, 2018 between Christopher Kelsch, L.A. Opera's Sebastian Paul, and Maribel Musco President and Chief Executive Officer, together with John Neumeyer, acclaimed artistic director and chief choreographer of the Hamburg Ballet and director, choreographer, and designer of Orpheus and Eurydice.
1: Good evening, everyone. Good evening, John. To, to echo Dr. Friedman's quote from Placido, It has, in fact, been a dream long-deferred to come to this moment in which John Neumeier would actually set work upon the LA opera. Um, We collectively have been fans of John's uh, for such a long time. and uh, For those of you who haven't seen the production before, or haven't had the privilege of seeing some of the work um, that John has done with his own company, and some of you may have seen it because the the Hamburg Ballet um, has toured quite a bit. Um, to Southern California um, at the Segerstrom Center. Uh, John is genuinely a totally sui generis artist, Um, one who creates work which is um, unrivaled um, in terms of, you know know the difference between seeing uh, something that has been um, crafted by John and something that has not been crafted by John. And I would say that uh, his extraordinary taste and refinement But more importantly, um, from my point of view, his incredible ability um, to illustrate uh, human frailty and foible um, on the stage is absolutely unrivaled. And what more could we want inside an opera house than someone who can do that well? So uh, when this all came together, the combination of this most um, moving and tragic of stories and this um, extraordinary artist, it was definitely, it felt like Christmas morning. So, um, we are extremely grateful to John that he said yes. Um, and really thrilled that, that he's here. So thank you, John. Um, I actually want to start with, uh, as you probably know, John is an American expat who um, has defied the odds by actually running uh, a ballet company um, on foreign soil for more than four decades. Um, for those of you who understand the politics of cultural institutions and 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 the politics of cultural institutions inside uh, the European community, um, if that isn't a referendum on John's skill, I don't know what is. And not political skill, art, artistic skill. Um, I want to make that clear. So, um, can we start with the fundamentals, which is so so how how did you get from the Midwest um, to running uh, one of the world's greatest uh, ballet companies for four decades? Well,
0: it, that's a long question. Uh, I try to be really fast. Um, I studied in, my, my ballet study was in Milwaukee. I was born in Milwaukee. My ballet study was in Milwaukee, but principally in Chicago, because I commuted three times a week to Chicago, and there was a teacher in the school in Chicago, which was a very good school, Walter Cameron and Bentley Stone, in Chicago who came to the university in Milwaukee and where I studied and where I also studied theater. Um, I felt that I needed uh, to concentrate on myself as a classical ballet dancer. And so I wanted to go to Europe. I always had the feeling inexplicable. I, I can't say why. I, I felt that I was somehow d- drawn to to Europe. Am I, my parents, my mother, my mother's uh, parents were Polish, my father's were obviously German, I was closer to the Polish side and somehow there was this pull, this magnetic pull towards Europe and I felt that was the place I should finish my study. I was finishing my study in London at that time. Um, anyone who was... It was was before Brexit, but it was very Um, (laughs) Brexit-like. Only British people could work at that time in Britain, Uh, so obviously I couldn't. Um, And the director of the company at that time, Ninette de uh, who liked my work very much, um, asked me, you know, what I would do, and I said, "Ah, well, I I have to return to the United States. And she said, well, where? And I said... uh, I don't know, and and she said, well, you should work for George, meaning George Balanchine. I said, well, okay, Um, and she said, I'm going on a tour, and I will speak to Mr. Balanchine about you, and and that was fine. In the meantime, uh, two principal dancers from the Stuttgart Ballet were uh, at the school and and saw me, and offered me a, a job without actually auditioning for the Stuttgart Ballet. And I said, well, I, I you know, I, I can't really do that because uh, Madame Duvalois is speaking to George. And uh, I, yeah. anyway, Madame Duvalois came back. Uh, she was very British, and and we passed in the corridor many times, but she never said anything. So I said, I, I got the contract from Hamburg, and John, it was John Krenko who was very friendly. I signed the contract. And and truly, a week later, I passed Madame de de Valois again in the hallway, and she said, oh, by the way, I've spoken with Balanchine, and you can go to the New York City Ballet. And I said, no, I can't. I I was very uh, clear about my intentions. I said, I I can't do that. I signed a contract in Stuttgart, and I, I have to stay to it. So it was really this moment, that that and I think that I was kind of happy that I was going to stay because not not so not so much because I didn't, knew nothing about where Stuttgart was or what Stuttgart was. I really, am I doing that? Um, what whatever, I um, I I was truly interested in the Italian painters of the Renaissance, and I thought. Stuttgart is a lot closer to Florence than <laughs> New York, so I thought this is going to be great. I, I will be able to study all these paintings and sculptures and things that I've been that I've seen in my fantasy so long. So I decided to, to stay one year in Germany.
1: But uh, you, you talk about being being drawn to Europe. You were drawn to Europe on a kind of fundamental, primal level. At the time you were a dancer, you weren't a choreographer. Did, did, was the seed also planted that you also wanted to create work as well as participate in the creation? I
0: think I was always a choreographer. Uh, I, I, I almost never did what I was supposed to do when I was a dancer. <laughs> I, I always... but I mean, I tried. I, I tried, but there, there was always this side of me that felt there was another way of doing it. And, and I realized that even when I was in high school that... I, I realized this by reading a... You know, in, in, in American high schools, you always have these yearbooks. And people write at the end of the season something. And I, I, I was just looking at it. And somebody said, well, it was so interesting working on your choreography. I, I didn't even remember that I did it. But, but somehow, I've always been interested in the creative side. But that has to do, I think, with something else. I'm sorry if I talk too much okay before I even studied dance I studied painting because it was discovered when I was in school that I had a talent for drawing and, and painting so I had extra uh, art classes uh, at a, um, a Catholic convent and the nuns were very strict I mean we were it was a really hardcore uh, study to, to learn to really learn to draw um, and so there was always a conflict in me, or there was for a long time, if I would become a visual artist, if I would become a, a, a painter, or if I would be a dancer, and, and dancing won out. But in a sense, choreography brought together these two aspects uh, of, of me that, was, that were so important for me because of course choreogra- choreographing
1: is, is, is really painting in, in time and space with the human being. So when is the first time that you start to set work on other dances professionally Is it in Stuttgart? Uh, professionally, well it was the, the
0: first ballet that I made was at the university. I choreographed for uh, musicals and for um, a morality play. Uh, a very long the the Ludus Coventry which was completely danced uh, spectacle, and I created a, 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 a my first ballet actually at the university called The Hound of Heaven, uh, based on Thomas Francis' uh, poem of the same name. Um, but the first professional, if you mean I got paid for it. I mean it wasn't very much, but I, I did get paid. For it uh, was in Stuttgart, but. But Stuttgart was not, and this is a, for me very important, was not the beginning of my choreographic interest or the first work that I had done. But actually it was the place where I did the first work for which I was actually
1: paid. So was, was dancing a means to an end to you because you were just using it as a, as a means through which you could achieve the dream of of actually setting work on dancers? I think I never thought of it that way I, because I, I think that
0: I always enjoyed performing myself and I think I, I was I mean it's hard to speak about yourself, I think I was okay, I think no I think I was good actually um, <laughs> and I think that it, it was interesting that the when I was very young, when I was in the school I met Rudolf Nureyev and he we became quite friendly. And he is the one that said, you know, as a choreographer, you must dance as long as you can, because your body is your instrument. And I think that the individuality of choreography comes from the individuality of the human being moving in time and space. So the more that the chore and even today, I mean, I'm, I'm older now than I was then, I guess as we are, um, but even today, to me, to choreograph means to sweat. It doesn't mean to sit in a chair and tell people what to do. I physically have to do it. I physically have to in, at least indicate it, uh, w- what I want. So for me, there was never a division um, between dancing and choreographing and for me I, I actually danced in a certain way a very long time because I, I danced and Maurice Béjar created a work for me when I was about 44 I think uh, called The Chairs uh, based on UNESCO's play in which I also had to speak and, and I performed that many, many, many years and, and many times and as well as the principal role in the St. Matthew Passion which I did until about Ten years ago, um, be, and and this, the unique um, tension that happens when a choreographer or a director of a company actually performs with his own company is very special, and and so I, I I you know I obviously didn't do Romeo and Juliet at that time, but to to do certain works to be physically I- involved with a company was a very a binding uh, element so
1: when did you first go to Hamburg then
0: I I went to Hamburg in um, 1973
1: as the head of the company yes so what was that story I mean how how did you leapfrog from Uh, no I was director I became director
0: of the Frankfurt Ballet on the 1st of December 1969 I was only that tall (laughs) at that time yeah it was it was a, a strange story. I mean, it, it, it truly was a strange story because I hadn't done that many works, but I had done a few works that were very successful. Let's say um, there was a lot of talk about what I had done, and I, again, I think it's because it was very different. It was very individual, and suddenly I I, I was offered a few a few uh, commissions the Harkness Ballet uh, the Scottish Theatre Ballet in in, uh, Scotland obviously Um, but then there came a message from Frankfurt that they wanted me to come to Frankfurt to have a dinner to speak about something and they said I suppose you think we want to want you to create a ballet for us but we want you to be the director of the company I don't know why John Cranker told me, you can't do that. You you don't know how to do that, which made me, of course, really want to do it, uh, obviously. Um, So that's how it happened. And then August Everding, who was a really well-known opera director and theater director and director of a theater and director of an opera house, um, heard and saw my work we were both educated by Jesuits, so somehow there was a, this kind of connection to, to, to us and I had done a work an evening, which combined uh, Don Juan with the music of Gluck, uh, together with uh, Le Sacre de Printemps because it was about well, it was it was actually about the two greatest ballet scores one of the 18th century and one of the 20th, 20th, 19th, 18th century and 20th century. I put them together and he saw that evening and was completely taken by it and said you, you're, you're the one I want. And of course the ballet company in Frankfurt had 28 dancers. The ballet company in Hamburg had 60 dancers and I fought every day in Frankfurt just to get enough point shoes for the ladies and all these kind of things it was it was really really difficult um, at that time but I, it, it, it became successful and there was a, a great push also from the cultural minister that I would stay in, in, in Frankfurt at that time. but I, I felt that my work mm, needed a bigger frame that I was interested in, I had by that time already done a version of Romeo and Juliet, I had done a version of The Nutcracker, so I felt that I I, I had a kind of mission to do this bigger kind of work, and I felt that I, hard as it was to, to tear up the beginnings in, in Frankfurt and to go to another, uh, another city and, and start a new company, basically, I, I felt it was one of those things I had to do.
1: And, and that that zeal to do that was were you responding to uh, a sense of expression that you didn't see inside the dance community that that you were bringing something to the table that you that you that was in response to something that was happening in the dance community or there was just your imagination was so vibrant and had to find purchase? No, I, I think it was do you know theres this expression?
0: Like a, dog, like a dog with a bone, yep. uh, that was me. Do you, do you know, I didn't see right or left. I, I only knew what I wanted to do. And I, I had, uh, I, still, I still do actually, I'm, I'm extremely kind of idealistic and, and, and naive in a certain way, I suppose. But I still believe in, in the mission of work, uh, that, that it, is a, it's not, it is not a profession, we do. It is a, it's a calling. It's a calling to to do and to use the, the gift that you may have been given to be completely critical of it, but to continue to develop it as much as you can. And I didn't look right and left. I didn't care what the dance community or any community thought. I knew what I wanted, and I, I wanted to hone uh, a company of young dancers who could perform in repertoire a number of works in a number of styles, and I the first th- th- those years uh, in in Frankfurt, I don't think I ever saw the city. I, I and at that time we had such the the company had to dance in operas, it had to do a lot of things, and. W- the, the principals that I had, who were my friends, we never had a free day. We worked illegally, uh, Sundays, su- Saturdays, every, every day,
1: in order to, to, to uh, achieve something. So, so let's get into the, the achievement of what? It, all of that work in service of what? What in the end is the, the purpose of the calling?
0: Those are really difficult questions. Do you know? Um, That you would like to think about and fill out the formula and then rewrite it again. And just to spontaneously answer that question. I I don't know. I, I, I just feel that I was born to be a choreographer. I have to do this. I cannot not do it. I cannot let myself go I have to follow this I have to do all the possible preparation work thought energy everything I have to invest in it um, and and I still feel that I felt that when I was 15 and I feel the same now
1: I mean I, I everyone laughed at the question I, I mean I, I I say, that, I say that in service of the fact that, you know, it goes back to the fundamentals for me, of, of your, the, the nature of your artistry is that you are giving shape and expression to the inexpressible, which is in fact, I think it's, it's certainly the, the purpose of, of opera is to create a sense of uh, catharsis inside the artist in, in forging that kind of connection um, where an artist ex, is express, expressing something that cannot be expressed in a ballroom on the fifth floor of the Dorothy Chandler, and and I think that um, you know I've I've only now seen your work for twenty years, so I didn't see the work twenty years before that. But um, I see in you someone who um, is remarkably in touch with um, a kind of sense of of pathos and and unafraid of expressing um, very difficult, very challenging emotions and of course, you know, that, that is what Orfe is, it's, it's basically, it's a ritual of grief. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was what I was really trying to get at, is, mm-hmm. is that what, what is your responsibility as an artist and what is, what is, why are you drawn to these kinds of stories? And um, I think this is a very individual thing. I, I, I received a prize two years ago, the
0: Kyoto Prize, and had to do a sort of very important speech and, and I called my speech Dance is the shape of emotion. And I, I believe that. Uh, f- there, there, there are many of my colleagues who completely disagree. Um, which is fine, and they're good, and I, I don't really, I'm not here to judge anyone. But for me personally, movement must be learned. The instrument has to become articulate. But after that, It is the individual's emotional conviction and honesty moving this articulated instrument that touches people. And I think that dance is the most human art because it uses the human body as its instrument, but also its subject. When we see dancers on the stage, We see ourselves. We see... It would be as if a lot of pianos were listening to a piano concerto. They would understand that concerto better than we would, because they know what it would be like to be plunked on. So I think it's that way with dance, that we watch, we don't have the body of those dancers. We cannot stop on our toes, we cannot jump through the air, we cannot turn. But we know the longing for that. And when we see it, we recognize something in ourselves. And I think it is the recognition in theater that is worth the price of admission. I think this is why we basically go to the theater, is to learn, not learn, learn sounds rational, to feel to feel something about ourselves as human beings.
1: So y- you now um, have the privilege and presumably somewhat the burden of working basically inside a closed system where you have a, a ballet school and you you oversee the development of, of dancers over uh, decades of their career. Mm-hmm. And so you're able to choose, pick and choose which projects um, you choose um, to illustrate. What, what is it when when you're looking out ahead? What are what are the kinds of stories that you want to be uh, that you want to tell? What are the kinds of material that you're attracted to? I think uh, there. I think there's a time in
0: life when you take a lot of things in. You read a lot. You hear operas. You see ballets. You go to movies. You. But but I think literature was very very important for me. And, and then there's a time when you become busy. And there are certain things that remain with you, that speak to you, that you cannot forget. The story of uh, Lilium, Lilium which, which was then later became the musical carousel, is, is one of the things that I, I remember reading. And, and every time I recall this story, I become moved by it. And so after 50 years, I created a ballet, Lilium. Um, so, it, 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 but it has to be. I cannot do anything I do not believe in. I cannot portray anyone whose emotions I cannot believe. I cannot create a fairy tale princess who exists in uh, cotton candy. I, I just. I, I have to. I have to believe there is a, a motivation that has something to do with me. It has to be a part of me. I, I don't mean that in an egotistical way. I mean that in a way that without relevance, wi- without, I can't do anything that is just pretty. I, I, I feel that, that beauty has its function in our society and, and has its projection. Um, so I, uh, the, the things that I choose to do are things where I say, yes, I believe that. I know that. For example, um, I've directed this opera. If you believe it or not, I mean, and I've, I've choreographed the St. Matthew Passion um, in 1981, I think, which at that time it was uh, in Germany a complete scandal. I mean, now they do the most outrageous things with that glorious music. But at that time, it was a very, very big thing. But in my heart, I knew that I could climb that mountain. If it would be good or bad, I couldn't say. But I I knew that that music and those thoughts, those sentiments were a part of me. Since then, for example, this is not like, you know, name dropping. I, I've been asked twice, if you can believe it, to direct the ring of the Nibelung. And I, I have to say, no, the, there is no ring in me. I, I, I don't get it, uh, I, I, you know. I, sorry, I don't, I really
1: don't, I, I, you know. It's gonna be a riot in here. <laughs> No, no, no. I actually, I mean, I actually, I, I think that's a, it's a, it's a wonderful uh, testament to your integrity as an artist that you, that's, that's not the piece for you. So let, let's actually, uh, let's turn to Orfe as a, as a illustrative example of the, of your I, process. I get, I get that. Yeah. I mean, how do you, when, when offered when offered Orfe and you decide that that is something that you can wrap your mind around, yeah. what is the process that you go through in order to give it um, shape, and, and mm-hmm. um, I, th- I think all of you know this, but um, John is his now his own set designer, his own costume designer, his own lighting designer. So, you know, the work that you see on our stage is a work of... Uh, it's a collaborative art form, of course, but it is a work of almost complete um, imagination of, of John alone. So, what is that process? I think
0: that ofe is a very special work for me, because when I was a young choreographer, mm-hmm. Um I choreographed a version for it at the Frankfurt Opera, which Philippe Sargist, who was a then quite well-known uh, opera director, directed and Günther Wand was the conductor. So it was my first um, my first uh, meeting with that opera. Then later, when Christoph von Dohnányi was director, uh, intendant of the Hamburg Opera, he asked me to. Choreograph and direct it, which I did. Um, that was a, a version in German, the German language, actually, uh, with Eugen Jochum was the conductor, and it was a completely different concept. It, it had more to do with the with the form of the opera, the fact that it was it, it has a, a modern point of view in a quite not yet uh, realized. Um, sort of uh, um, revolutionary form um and so when i was invited by the lyric opera to do this opera and it was the french version which has even more ballet than the the other versions that i had done i oh and in the meantime i had also choreographed a ballet orpheus using the music of stravinsky um and the music of a 18th century composer called Bieber. Um And so I, I was very into this theme of Orpheus. And as always, I, I guess it's, it's my way. I, I usually have phases in my work. The first phase is really kind of research about the work. To try to 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 know its fra- the frame around it something about the the, the authors the composers wh- whoever and I was again um, aware that it, it is a work that speaks to me because it it was the point of the of the the art the authors at that time to try to depart from virtuosity. And to speak very directly about true and honest human emotions, and this became my guiding principle in in developing a concept. And and the fact that that it's it's complex because it has a, a mythical theme, but the mythical theme is completely human because it's about human weakness, the fact that I. I love so much. I am driven by my love, but my love is is so strong and at the same time so human that I cannot even obey the one thing that I must not do, which is to look back and see my wife. Um, it, it's so completely human. We, we always seem to stumble. We, we have incredible... Um, resolution, but we we stumble. So these things came together. Then the fact that there is so much ballet, why why should there be so much ballet? What kind of space could this happen in? Why would we, why might there be ballet? Um, uh, Okay, maybe because Orpheus Orpheus is a choreographer? Um, Maybe, and who is Eurydice? We normally don't see her until the third act. But how, how can we really have pity for someone that we've not seen? How can we, uh, so I, I I decided that I had to see her immediately. I had to know, I I wanted to know about her death. I wanted visually to see that. Um, and then um, all, all these thoughts kept coming and changing. I've, notebook after notebook of notes and sketches of how, how this story could be told. Um, and, and then, of course, the, the most important things happen when you forget everything, when you forget the research that you've done, and that of your research, which has become a part of you, enables you to, to speak through that, but, but to speak in your own language.
1: And then, when you, when you get to the rehearsal room, you, you, you started working with the dancers of the Joffrey before you started working with the principal artists. What, what is that, what is that process?
0: Well, indescribable. I, I would say in words, I mean, you're basically naked in a studio. I mean, I am, I, I know sort of the, I know the structure of the music. I do not know any movement. I stand in front of the dancers. They all look at me waiting Mm -hmm. to see what I'm going to do. I have the pianist play a phrase of the music. And I just hope God uh, comes to me, and that some that I will move, that I will do something. Um, that that is what happens.
1: So it's sort of like it's it's sculpting clay. There's it's a, improvisation. There's a, uh, yeah. The whole choreography
0: ar- arises through improvisation.
1: And and uh, the uh, we talked about the, a, l- a little bit about this before, but the idea that it's. It's kind of open-ended for you, but it, it is always subject oh, yeah. to change. But and That's the su-
0: interesting thing is, you know, I've always wanted to have a production that would never have a premiere. Because I love to rehearse, and, and I love to find, I really do, I, I love to find new things and, and to make things deeper. And that's the interesting thing about doing this production, which was in, in the Lyric Opera in Chicago. It's a different production here. It really is. I mean, I started from that which I did, but it has been developed and deepened and changed and, and I think intensified in many ways. And I, I always say I am a living choreographer.
1: Cerberus with, at the gates there.
0: Which means to yeah. me that I I must have the right and responsibility to criticize my work and to change it, to constantly change it.
1: Uh, so before we get into the actual rehearsal room with the principal artists, it's worth probably going back and, and talking about your relationship with opera over the course of your career. Uh, well, I've, I've
0: worked in an opera house. I suppose that is point one. Um, which brought me close to it. I mean, I, I uh, was not a great opera fan before I uh, started to work in the opera house. I obviously had a great uh experience in opera um
1: yeah what more can i and say the, and the so so um how does your work uh, shift when you go from the room with the dancers in it to the work the, the room with the singers in it how how does your process I try
0: change? not to make it shift too much because i think that it's a different instrument it's a different basic instrument the the voice uh w- is a human voice the human voice is coming from a human person i'm not i won't say body a human person and and so the the truth that i see in a dancer's movement is parallel to the truth that i hear in a singer's voice and the the my work is to look at these people as as clearly as i can and try to get something out of them that, is that, that they are, um, to not to impose something that is completely strange to them, um, and, 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 and basically to demand honesty.
1: So th- th- this production will go to your house um, about a year from now. The, the entire process, these are new dancers, new principal artists, the entire process for you will start all over again. And the the show that we may see in February of 2019 um, may be a totally different, where the, the basic architecture of the show is the same, but it will be informed entirely by the...
0: Yeah, and I, I'm sure that also choreographically that every time I, if I create a work outside of my company, if it's the Paris Opera or wherever, I... When it comes back to my company, there, a certain intensification happens because these are the dancers who really are there to work with me. That is their reason to be in Hamburg. And, and so we, we have a very special way of working together. And I think that although I appreciate very much the, the work of the Joffrey Ballet and the work that they have done in Chicago, also here is intensified. It, it is stronger than I remember seeing it in Chicago. And, and that's, that's very, very positive. I'm sure that when I work with my dancers, first of all, I will have a greater freedom to demand things from them that I might be slightly hesitant or careful uh, to demand of, of dancers from other companies.
1: Thank you so much, John. Um, Thank you for your incredible legacy of work.
0: You've been listening to a conversation recorded on March 9th, 2018 between Christopher Kelsch, LA opera Sebastian Paul, and Maribel Musco, president and chief executive officer, together with John Neumeyer, acclaimed artistic director and chief choreographer of the Hamburg Ballet and director, choreographer, and designer of Orpheus Neuridice. Thank you for listening.